how you got your first leadership gig, loving the new role, but feeling the pressure of your new responsibilities and all that expectation to perform? Well, don't worry, you're not alone. Crossing the chasm from a technical role to leadership, from doing stuff to managing and leading people is the toughest challenge any leader must make. Welcome to the Human Edge Show, the podcast dedicated to help you do just that, successfully cross the doing to leading chasm. Campbell Such here, Chief Chasm Crossing Guide. I've made all the mistakes so you don't have to. I want to help you learn those lessons much more easily by sharing my experiences and talking with brilliant people who have already figured it out. You'll get great actionable tips, strategies and techniques to make the transition so much easier and faster for you. Now let's get to it. Well, welcome to another episode of the Human Ed Show. Today I'm privileged and honoured to have along with me on the show, Nicolaius from the CEO Institute in New Zealand. Welcome, Nick. It's great to have you on board. It's a pleasure to join you, Campbell. Nick is the country manager in New Zealand of the CEO Institute. His, uh, he's had a number of different, uh, I guess, parts to his career over time, starting off in, as an equities dealer and then ultimately fell into tech, and, uh, and now he's running one of New Zealand's premier CEO organisations. Uh, he's had early roles in sales and sponsorship, uh, executive director of tech leaders, and then membership and partner management roles for NZ Tech and EdTech. His big focus is now on connecting people so that they can learn and grow uh, right across organizations, but particularly at the, at, the, at the leadership level for the CEO Institute. So Nick, welcome along. It's great to have you here. What's something that not many people would know about you? Uh, I suppose, Carol, despite my accent, um, I was actually born in Liverpool in the UK. Um, but didn't really spend a lot of time in, in, in Liverpool. I, I was told it was the nicest part of Liverpool, if, if there is such a place. But uh, more relevant to, to this, I suppose, is I don't really have an academic background. Um, yes, I've had a, a number of jobs within a, a colourful career, but I still don't have a degree. Well, well you, you know, it's a, a degree is a really interesting thing, and for years and years it's been incredibly important for so many people to hire people with degrees. My view on that is that you're potentially missing out on a whole bunch of people that don't have degrees. And that just because you've got a degree doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be great at what you do. And when you look at the entrepreneurial world and the business world, so many of the, the best leaders and the best businesses are built and grown with people who don't have degrees. So for me, it's never been a big deal. Um, I think um, feel uncomfortable and not having it. And, uh, yeah. I think the last couple of years has taught us, and I remember three or four years ago in tech leader um, conversations, it's about employing people that are adaptable and have the right attitude. And sometimes people that are coming out of some of, uh, some of these university and structured academic learning um, feel a sense of entitlement because they've put the, the years into getting that piece of paper. Um, whereas the employer wants the opposite end. They, they, they actually want somebody that can grow. I mean, particularly with tech, right? So if you start in a tech role, quite often because technology is circumnavigating itself every three and a half, four years, by the time you're qualified on that, you're out of date. <laughs> so it's a bit of a catch-22 situation. Yeah, isn't it just? And uh, and ultimately, you know, it's a bit of a cliche, but it's so true that uh, you know people uh, we tend to employ people for their skills and then and then fire them for their for their attitude. And if you kind of flip that around on its head, and you you obviously want to have someone that's capable and 
and uh, of doing the role, but but ultimately they need to fit in the team and they need to fit with you and they need to have the right attitude to be able to learn and grow and do all of those things that, that you know that, that deliver value, not just for themselves, but also into their teams and organizations. Well, I think the biggest skill, and this is something where um, you know I've got to learn myself to start recognizing my qualities. I think one of the qualities I've had is to always visualize and see something from somebody else's perspective and to reach that compromise. I mean, if you can't appreciate a perspective or a goal of another person, then you're never going to get to that win-win solution. You know, it's always going to be um, sort of taking advantage or you're providing something that somebody doesn't want or you're opposing ends. And I think I've learnt to uh, the biggest skill in sales, obviously, and I'm not the first person to realise this, is to listen yeah. and then counteract that with something that the person wants or, or is going to benefit from. Yes. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? It's a really powerful skill for a leader to have is listening. And it's so easy to uh, to fall into the trap of listening. Really, you're just waiting for your chance to talk as opposed to listening to truly understand not just what the other person's saying, but what else is around what they're saying in terms of what they're not saying, the way they're saying it. All of those, all of those things and clues that can give us a really good handle on, you know, in a sales environment, in a sales situation, to help you better understand your the potential customer or the customer and to, to give them the solution that's a really good fit for them. But as a leader, uh, similarly, to be able to help them grow and learn in their career and to be able to deliver and be productive. Well, if you think about it this way, um, a leader, who's a leader's customers? Well, it's the staff, right? And as in sales, if you're not listening to what your customers are saying and what your customers want or the needs of your customers, then you're not doing a very good sales role. I think as a leader, we've got to learn from, and we've got two sets of customers. I suppose we've got shareholders and uh, stakeholders and, and you know people we're answerable to and we have to deliver to. Um, and it's certainly you'll get into hot water if you're not listening to them. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, our team leaders, our leadership teams, our staff, um, they are the, the ones at the point of edge. They, they're the ones that we need to support. And, and digital transformation is really challenging this, you know. Um, whereas in the past, the boss knew everything. And he controlled everything. Now that structure doesn't really seem to be as efficient to, you know, a more flat structure and allow the people at the foot at the front make the decisions and have input into how things can be reorganized. Um, I'm a big fan of digital uh, transformation or transformation of business. And it, you know, the only difference is is the speed that it's been implemented now to businesses that were evolving 20, 30, 40 years ago. That was a five-year, 10-year journey, um, and you could survive or add it through it. Now, transformational journey is two, three years max, and then it's continuous. So, uh, yeah, I, I carry that perspective from my, my days within tech. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because it's certainly true that uh, for the kind of the industrial revolution, the idea of having people doing roles that were you, you wanted to be as efficient as you could in doing whatever it was that you wanted to do. Now, with the rapid rate of change, the exponential increase in the rate of change and the whole digital transformation that's going on and the, the rewriting of our businesses is that one person just can't make that happen, even in a small organisation, and absolutely not as the, as the organisations grow in size. 
And so for a leader to be able to have all that on their shoulders, incredibly stressful and, and, and virtually impossible. And they certainly don't have all the answers. Uh, in, in your career, when you've, when you've um, either, uh, as you were growing in your early leadership roles, what, was, what were some of the things that you noted about the, the, the bosses that you had or the managers or leaders that you had that really stands out of, that, that were exceptionally good? I suppose they were expected to, right in the early days, they were the ones that knew, right? So, you know, as a, as a starting in an organisation, you were there to, to do a function and not really step out of that function. Um, and maybe after three or four years, you could have a voice and a say in, in to how things could be improved or in just other alternatives. Um, I suppose as I progress through my career, I'm, I'm never... Um, backward and coming forward now, and, and, and indeed, it was a couple of months ago. My my current CEO said to me, "You know, you keep chipping away at the procedures," and I just corrected him. So what I'm doing is tailorizing it to New Zealand, but also modernizing it. You know, and um, I, that's why you employed me. If you wanted to to have somebody like a robot, well, I'm the wrong person. But that comes with age, and I think that comes with a bit of confidence that. Um, and one thing that we believe wholeheartedly in, in the CEO Institute is experiential learning. And I, you know, I started this by saying, look, I don't have an academic background, but I have a lot of experiential learning. Um, and if you were to debug that, that means I've made a lot of mistakes. <laughs> um, and hopefully I've got a degree of intelligence to realize I'm not going to repeat those mistakes. You know, not always the case. Um, but you know, that's to me what experiential learning is about. It's about not only learning from the journey that I've taken through my career, and I'm not going to tell you how long that's been, um, but it's also relying on the input of other people and, and that have surrounded me. And I've been very, very fortunate to have some mentors in and outside of tech and in and outside of advertising, etc. cetera. Um, and you can never have enough mentors, I, I believe. Um and it's learning from them, so being open to the mistakes that other people have made, you know, and, and that's where it amplifies. Um, and that's indeed what we try to encourage at, at the CEO Institute, It's just a trusted environment that we can come together. And it's not, I keep saying it's not rocket science. It's about having a conversation with somebody that you're not afraid um, will take advantage of you. So um, I'd just like to sort of just dig into this experiential idea that that you brought up before um but you know i <laughs> it's so true right you can read as many books as you like about um driving a car a stick shift car as they call it in the us with a clutch okay. and a gearbox and and um what have you but uh no matter how much you read about that or like riding a bike it's not until you get in the car or get on the bike and you start doing it that you actually really understand and get to know to know it the so riding from, from, bike, from the, oh sorry nick go ahead no i was just saying the riding the bike's probably more accurate i mean even to learn how to drive a car you're going to have to do some theory to start off with but you, nobody's ever learned how to ride a bike by reading a book um it's about getting on there and and falling off <laughs> you know it's a bit like what taught me how to sail was a lot of instances what not to do and I can tell you probably what not to do on a yacht more so than what to do. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I like the analogy of the bike because that's 
that is something that uh, you can only pick up by doing. Yeah. And and um, yes, the first plan or the first point about change is is having an action or, or taking action. It's also having a plan around taking that action. I, I think is important. Yeah. That yeah. makes sense. It, it is a good analogy, isn't it? Because um, part of the other piece around riding a bike is typically it's with a parent or with someone someone older that's helping you onto that bike, mm-hmm. and they've got your best interests at heart, and they want you to succeed, and they're they're helping you perhaps with some training wheels for one of a you know to extend the the analogy a bit, but they're there to help you. And so many leaders get thrown into new leadership roles with no training wheels, no bike. Um, you know, no book about how to ride a bike and all of a sudden they're expected to ride and it's no wonder that so many of them fail. Um, Could you just talk a little bit about that and how experiential learning might help a new leader make that transition from their technical role where they know an awful lot with a full toolbox of doing things tools into a leadership role where their their leadership toolbox is, you know, is pretty bare um, and, and, you know, what might help them transition in and how experiential learning might be able to help. Make I, I mean, this is something I see an awful lot of the time and, and it's whether the individual knows it or not. Quite often we start our first leadership role or a, whether it's a country manager, a CEO role or a, a, um, a head. Um, and we've won the job through confidence. You know, we've won it with pointing out that we're ready for this We've got the experience. It's the natural step. There's a no risk in choosing me as an individual. Um, but then when you take it on, you realize you only know what you know. And it's probably what you don't know that's going to trip you up. So it's my, my advice, I suppose, is, is not to think you need to know it all. You know, And don't be afraid to, outside of your organization as well, to have an independent peer-to-peer support or network that um, can be your backstop and your source of information. Um, I think diversity is the key of this as well. I mean, no disrespect to, to tech uh, associations or industry associations, but they tend to adopt people that are all approaching the problem at the same direction, you know, and and that's a bit like our friends. If, if our friends and family are like us, and, and they should be if they're our friends and family, not always the case, um, but they're like us, right? So they're going to arrive at a solution basically the way that we're thinking of, but that might not be the right solution. You know, as leaders, we are there ultimately to make decisions. That's that's the job in a nutshell. We employ expertise, and I think the transition from being, say, a technical role or a CFO or a coup or whatever, a finance, is you step into a CEO role or a top job, you've really got to stop being an expert at that field. You've got to be a jack-of-all-trades expert or none sort of thing. So you are the one that has to evaluate and weigh up and sometimes be the referee. Um, if you don't know an area, you employ that area. Um, you know, you employ a, a, a CFO, you employ a sales doc- director, you employ a a CIO or a CDO, um, yep. you know, I, I think that's the that's the difference. So we've all got to start somewhere, you know. Um, CEOs or leaders are not born; <laughs> they're actually made. 
Um, uh, and that's a nugget that I've sort of learned through through this job. Um, so and and you don't know everything, so it's continuous learning. That's the key. Uh, I've only ever met a couple of leaders that have said, "Look, I don't need this. I am um, in full control. I've been doing this role for fifteen years." And where I was a bit timid and challenging them at first. Now I sort of go, well, well, that's your Kodak moment, you know. Um, life is about change. Business is about change. You only have to look at the journey of the last two years for most of us. You know, I, I had a member uh, who joined us who, um, without you know, diverging who he is, he was a CFO for an organisation for five years. Felt the boss was never going to step aside, so went and, and took on a role somewhere else. A year later, came back to be the CEO of that company. Um, and it was February 2020. Right. Yeah. Now, not knowing, you, know, you could know all the financial history and the regulatory controls of this business, that didn't help them. The first six to seven months, it was all about culture. It was, you know, a large employee base. I think they had about 16, 1,700 staff. Um, every decision he made had nothing to do with finance. So he wished he had known about the CEO uh, Institute and, uh, and particularly like our future CEO programs, the ones that are giving the apprenticeship before you take on the role. Yep. He'd wished he'd known about those because maybe he could have just given himself some support mechanisms, certainly a network, but certainly some tools in the in the kit bag that would have been useful. Yeah. Instead of not muddling his way through it, but you know, it was a challenge. And it the job shouldn't be a challenge. And if it becomes too much of a challenge, what would naturally leave? We up and leave. And um, you know, the, the cost of recruitment nowadays is it's not a cheap thing if you're recycling leaders every twelve to eighteen months. Yeah. Yeah, the the, the overwhelm for leaders in the last two years has been massive in my experience from the, from the leaders that I've dealt with. Mm. And it's it's interesting the way you put that is that a CFO went, went out into a CEO role, came back, and then suddenly the CEO role that he thought he was going to get turned out to be un, totally, so unlike what he thought he was going to get. But probably most insightful, I think, in there is that he wished he'd done these other things to broaden his understanding of what a more general, you know, the, the broader general requirements of the role were. And um, in my, where I focus, which is in helping new leaders make that transition from their technical roles into leadership roles, exactly the same thing, because we're not all cut out for leadership, but we don't actually know. Our bosses don't know. We could, They can think that we might be. Um, they probably, you know, they probably can see it from a more of a, an overall picture, but for you as a person going, oh, I'd like to be a leader, you don't actually know whether you're going to like it and whether you're going to be good at it until you step into that role. And to be able to um, get some experience, some experiential uh, um, exposure to what leadership might be before you go into it might help you, A, make a, really, a much better decision about whether it's the right path for you, but also make it much easier for you to, to be on a, you know, um, a speedier path when you get into that role. Yeah, yeah. And... Um... Listen, I remember my first leadership role, and it was officially country leader's role, was um, my mentor turned around to me and said, okay, so when are you going to get out? And I said, sorry, it's taken me years to get to this position. Um, this is what I've always wanted. And he said, are you sure? 
um, because he knew that I, I probably wasn't ready. Um, but also the biggest lesson I learned was to come into the role looking to achieve something and then to go once you've achieved that. So almost start building your legacy as soon as you get into the role. Um, but, you know, the key to that is always leave room for somebody else to grow and always leave room for somebody else to shine. Um, and, and getting out in a high is probably is the best than getting out in a low because um, you can go then forward. You, sometimes when you get out in a low, it's a bit harder to go forward. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, just on your early experience with leadership, how did you know that leadership was the right thing for you? And can you talk a little bit about some of the experiences, good or bad, that you had that that perhaps would help a new leader um, make some better decisions around A, going into leadership and B, the sorts of things they might take on in their early leadership roles? And again, I, I don't believe that, you know, I am a, an amazing leader. I, I think my advantage is I associate with some pretty good leaders. And and this is exactly, you know, when I was in tech, Campbell, I don't know how to code. I really possibly don't know much about computers. I know about the systems, but I know a lot of people that know about what they do. Right. And I think that's where I'm carrying through into the CEO Institute now is, listen, I'm not an expert leader, um, but I know a lot of people that are, and I know what they need and what keeps them up at night. Um, I mean, we've got one document that I circulate every month, and it's literally the culmination of what every business leader across the, the entire organization is thinking about or is concerned about or is highlighting, you know, and that, that varies from some COVID restrictions through to culture, through to logistics, through to managing above i mean half the job is managing above we should know what we're doing to manage below because we're in a position of responsibility um and you've got to enjoy that to answer your question i'm probably not doing this very well this one but enjoy if you don't enjoy being a leader if you don't enjoy helping other people um and there's a cautionary point about putting other people first that i'll, I'll add to but then find your niche somewhere else. I mean, I'm pretty fortunate. I actually enjoy standing up and being associated with some pretty intelligent people because it makes me look good. Um, and it, it, I suppose it's become, it's evolved, certainly. I mean, six, eight years ago, no, it was, I was like a fish out of water, you know, on my first leadership role. Now um, I tend to have instinct about it, but I've learned that through experience. You know, um, did I get it out of a textbook? No, I got it off um, listening to the criticism of, of others, listening to how other people have handled that certain, you know, situational challenge. And, you know, that's again, that's that um, accelerating, accelerating experiential learning is learning from the mistakes of other people and, and trying, well, okay, well, I might avoid going down that path. And well, that person's coming from a completely different angle because they're in a different industry to me. Okay, so that makes sense. Um, I would not have normally approached it that way, but it's worked for them, so it could work for me. And it gives you the competitive edge too, I think. Yeah, I, I, yeah, open open to um, ways in, uh, of thinking and looking at things that 
aren't necessarily typical in your industry or in your role that can really help kind of knock over the, the wall of blocks and help you rebuild it again or, see, or give you some insight that you wouldn't otherwise have because the connection just, you know, it just isn't there. Um, and that's the real one of the real benefits from, from having that interaction with other people that are doing things similarly to you, but in different industries or at different levels, um, maybe even in the same industry. So, so I don't know if that answered your question or not, but I suppose my advice to um, people in that situation is is don't bluff it. Be it realize that you only know what you know, you know, and if you don't know about something, reach out, have the confidence to find out, you know. It's, it's not having the confidence to say, oh, hey, I don't know. And this is something that was taught to me very, very early on, particularly in a sales role, is when you're asked a technical question or something particularly about a product, if you don't know, don't say anything. Just say, look, I don't know, but I know somebody who does. And then you become an information provider. And this happens, I think, a lot in tech roles, right? You, you speak to the, the right brain people and they, they think they have to have all the answers. Well, they don't, you know, they're not naturally wired to how something looks and feels. You know, they're, they're the ones that do the coding. Um, so if they want to relay that, then they've got to sort of reach out to somebody who balances that. And again, we're only human. Um, we all have attributes and, and benefits. Yeah, so that, that's that's a really uh, powerful advice in my experience is that you don't have to have all the answers. What's what's really powerful when you flip that coin onto the other side is questions and being a being very good at asking questions, especially questions that uh, that dig into give you the level of understanding that you need to be able to solve the problem or go back with the answer that you need. And, and as you say, never be afraid to put up your hand and say, hey, look, I don't know, but I'll find out. Or I don't know, but I know someone who does and I'll, and I'll come back to you and then commit to do that and do it. And that way you build trust and, and respect. And how did I find that out through experience? <laughs> <laughs> I've looked like an idiot several times because I tried to invent what I thought was the solution um, or the answer. Um, I've learned now not to do that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't say I do. I do. Nick, one of the things that you have, um, uh, and now I'm, exp I'm making an assumption here, and I know what happens when I make assumptions. They often, they often give me a kick in the we, butt. We, we know the analogy. Yeah. yeah you, uh, <laughs> but uh, my assumption here is that you've got the ear of or connection with a number of a large number of CEOs of. New Zealand organisations, and probably a number of um, overseas ones as well. Are there any things that you see in your conversations with those CEOs that stand out as being qualities that new leaders could aspire to that would really um, that would really help? I think openness. Um, so, you know, by the time I'm speaking to a prospective member or a CEO they realize that they need to keep on learning, you know, and whether that's continuing academic pathways, um, which is not the right answer for some of us. Um, you know, there's people that can learn from textbooks and there's people that can learn from, from uh, experiences. Yeah. Um, as we get older, we probably get a little bit lazier and, um, you know, less inclined to troll through and put ourselves to the test and sitting an exam. Um, so, uh, to, you know, a shortcut, basically 
the common link is most of these leaders realize they're reaching out. They really need to keep on topping up. I mean, as environmental situations change, they need to keep up to play with things. They need to be at the pointy end. Um, I think the lesson that we're starting to learn across the CEO Institute at the moment is we've gone through this big period of change and we've realized as leaders of staff or as teams that um, they come first. And, and this gem happened with an expert that came in to speak to one of my syndicates. And he said, well, you're doing a disservice. And I think I mentioned this at the lunch. You're doing a disservice if you're not putting yourself first. Right? Certainly, you're shortcutting your staff. You, you, you know, to lead, you've got to lead from the front. You're not being looked after yourself. You're doing, that's what I mean. You're being a disservice. You're certainly being a disservice to shareholders. Um, so, and I don't mean that in an arrogant way, um, but you've got to make sure that you've got your own support networks, your own balance. Your keel is firmly connected to the hull to be able to then be there for other people. Um, and quite often when I meet people, they're saying, oh, well, it's not about me, Nick. I, you know, I've got a, I'm interested in programs for these people and that sort of thing. And I say, well, you know, you've got to look after yourself. We do have things for those other points. You know, we don't just look after the top level of, of tier le of leadership. Um, but I start with the top tier and make sure that person. Digital transformation, I, uh, I think, again, I will, we've got a common link to tech. And I remember speaking to some people that specialize in that area, and they said, if we don't get the coup, the sales director, the CFO, and possibly the CEO all in a room, we're not having the conversation because it involves everybody, you know, and everybody's interest needs to be looked after right from the top through. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully yeah. I haven't off track with that one. No, no, that, that was good. I like the... Um the openness, uh, particularly, uh, and then the learning. So, um, you know, in my view, leaders are learners and leaders are readers. And if you're not, if you're not learning, you get left behind. You've kind of, you know, you're running the clock down. You're not, you're not growing as a person, and you're not helping the organisation to grow, and you're not helping your team. And, and um, I guess that's the the privilege of doing the role that I'm doing is I'm, I'm enabling the starting point of that. Right? Um, I'm taking care of that for them. So. They can come together in a trusted environment. Peer-to-peer -peer support probably is now equal because we don't know what's around the corner. Um, you know, the, if you listen to some people, we're, we're facing this big brain drain of all the youth going over to Australia and going over to Europe. Um, well, maybe we look at that as an opportunity that opens up some more experienced people in our workforce um, and bring them in. Um, there's no turning back the clock. I mean... We, we all went and did our OEs. I went away for six months, came back seven and a half years later <laughs> um, with a bunch of experiential learning, I can assure you. Um, but, yeah, so maybe there's a lesson for um, uh, when the brain drain hits is, is pulling in more experienced people. Yeah, being, a, being, a, being an attractive place to bring back Kiwis who have had some of that experiential learning from overseas. Um, one of the other things that you talked about, just before and um, and was a was a key sort of highlight for me from the lunch, uh, the CEO Institute lunch just recently was the look after yourself first. So the, there's absolutely no doubt that um, if if you're not looking after your team, 
then it's highly, it's very difficult for them to operate as effectively if, and uh, and as productively as possible. But there's no way that you can help them be the best they can if you aren't in a good place and aren't well looked after. And my experience over the last two years is I've never seen stress so high in leaders. And so the kind of the analogy, the the airline analogy, of put on your own mask before you look after the before you look yeah. after children, <laughs> I, I think fits that one really well. And I'd I'd highly encourage, I'd highly encourage that. Um, that, that you consider that as a new leader, not just um, as a as a CEO or a, a mid level manager, or but even if you're heading first off into into a leadership role, is to think very carefully about making sure that you're getting your needs met, now, not in an arrogant way, not in a selfish way, but that you need to make sure that mentally and intellectually and health wise and all those other things that you look after yourself and you do all, do all the things to help make sure you've got the best platform to then look after your team to be able to get what you need done as a, as a team inside your organisation? I think there's a lot on uh, a leader's shoulders nowadays. And, and look, you know, if you're, you also have family, you've got all that to contend with as well. Um, but that's the flip side of what I said at the lunch is don't be afraid to forgive yourself, <laughs> you know. Um, I, I think most of us tend to err on the side of, where, you know, we don't take failures easy. We don't like to be public about our failures. Um, and we blame ourselves an awful lot. I mean, I am wired that way. But I'm learning now to say, okay, didn't work out. Fine, forgive yourself. Try another thing. You know, don't judge me on my on my mistakes, but judge me on my ability to recover from them, I think, is a, is a key. That also is an attribute to a good leader is you don't sweat <laughs> the old stuff, just keep carrying on. Um, and we're growing, you know. You, you, you tell a, a senior person now, um, what's the analogy, fail fast and, and move on or something like that? Um, that. That 10 years ago, don't fail. <laughs> Particularly if you work for an American tech company, just don't fail in the first place. Um, now it's, it's full circle. Don't be afraid to fail, um, you know, and... and and as leaders, I think that's where we've got to wire ourselves because that's how the, the youth are coming in. Then the future leaders are going to come into our organisations and they're going to say, well, why can't I try this and why can't I try that? Me, my situation with my boss, I keep changing things. Um, they might not all work, but at least we've taken on that journey. Um, again, I'm sort of answering these things in a roundabout way, but um, I think, it, yeah, I'll leave it at that. Yeah, well, look, look, that's good. One, failure's had a has got a very negative connotation, and um, historically, and so many of us have been afraid to fail. Um, you know, I've been there plenty of times. The key is not that failure is a good thing, just that if you if if you're growing as an organisation, growing as a team, growing as a leader, you're doing stuff that you've never done before because that's just the nature of change, right? And and the last two years are a classic example of that. So you're not going to get everything right. The key is to then Pick yourself uh, up. Learn from it, own it, fix it, and work out how you're going to not make that same mistake again and move on. Um, but don't be don't be uh, destroyed by it. See it as a as a step on the way, and and try and build a try and build steps that you can fail at that um, because they're an experiment that you can then move on from and and take what you've learned from it to to succeed even more. There's that word again, experiential learning. You know, and, and listen, we're talking about in a context now, um, 
the chap that I work for started this whole thing based on the on the two principles. Experiential learning is probably more relevant to making decisions in the real time than it is from academic learning. Yeah. And um, peer-to-peer support in a trusted environment. So if you can trust the people that you're sitting in a room face-to-face is largely where it is, although we are transitioning into virtual syndicates in some instances. Um, but if you can bounce ideas off other people, if you can problem sh- solve in a shared environment, then it's going to halve the problem, right? It's what we teach our kids. Tell me about your problems and then maybe it's not going to be an unsubstantial mountain to climb. But he learned that 30 years ago. where He had the wisdom 30 years ago to say, I can transform business. I, I can build a pathway to better business leadership if we introduce these principles. And I mean, we're not a cult and I don't want to position it that way, but it's just some logic that was put to the, the question and that's what we came up with. And um, yeah, um, and that's where I find myself today in a, in a very, it's a great position to be in because I can see businesses grow and, and um, navigate through these challenging times. Um, and, you know, I can make myself look good because of it. It's a natural thing. <laughs> and have, have pleasure as we're doing it. And that's what the lunches are for too is, you know, we, we tackle some serious issues. Um, and as leaders, we're always facing new things. But if we can have fun, you know, one of the questions I thought you were going to ask is, is what's the, the best advice that you can give a, a, a leader, and and that is enjoy the journey, you know, really enjoy the journey, and if you're not, change the pathway of the journey. Yeah, well, that's uh, love that. That could that could be the billboard. That could be the billboard one. Enjoy yeah. the journey. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and part part of that journey is part of that enjoy the journey is are you even on the right path? So you know, should you be a leader or should you be the, the technical expert, the best CFO in the world as opposed to the best CEO in the world or the best software developer or the best network engineer. Um, and look at what you're doing and are you enjoying it? And if you're not, then how do you need to either change what you're doing to enjoy it or maybe you need to change what you're doing and pick another path. And and life's short. It might not seem so when you're early in your career, but life's short and uh, and enjoying the journey because it is a journey is critical, right? That's that's awesome. Love that. And, and look, at that lunch, we, we learned from a very successful New Zealander. He's not a member, but um, it's somebody that um, I've known for a few years. And he's really enjoyed his journey in growing a large organisation. Did he know it all at the beginning? No. He's learned most of it. He's, he never had dealt with investors. But now he's, he's found that it just challenge. He's overcome that. He's learned from other people that are in that situation. And... He passed on his wisdom to to what fifty or sixty of us in, in that room, which was a pleasure. So yeah, and it was he had fun. He's had fun along the way. I can tell you that <laughs> he had fun. The interesting thing was it took him ten years to get past to the first step, really, where it, where he took off. So you know, have fun, have some patience, um, push hard, but recognize that things don't always happen overnight. Um, but if you're if it's the right thing for you and you're prepared to push through, it, it may well. I think, Campbell, the other common link with these people too is they're not afraid to pay it forward. You know, they're not backward. I, I suppose the one rule I have when I meet somebody for the first time and, and what I provide is it's not right for everybody. But I said, if you're a wallflower, don't join. <laughs> if you're only going to sit 
and soak it up, don't join. Um, and not that I don't want you, it's just I don't think you'll get a lot out of it because it's, it's, it's the art of sharing knowledge that empowers us. And I think that's what makes a really good leader. You know, that's certainly the respect that I have for individuals are the ones that have helped me out with no commercial gain. You know, they've lent their knowledge so that I can do a better job. And, you know, the hidden benefit is they makes them feel good. <laughs> they, they get security. They get um, a lot out of it. And I think that's the interaction that we try to encourage. Yeah, and, and that works That works so powerfully at the level of the CEO. But as a new leader, making those, those first steps into leadership, recognise that uh, you don't have to do it alone. And if the person that put you in that role doesn't have the skills or isn't supporting you in a way that perhaps you need, then don't be afraid to look elsewhere within your organisation or, or externally for the people that Nick's just been talking about who want to pay it back. They're, they're the best leaders because they'll they'll see something in you and, and want to help and be open to help. You have to ask, though. You you have to have the courage. Um, and and I've, we've had some really good success at the, recently um, where I've talked first to the chairs, the chairman of the board, or um, in some instances it was a, a CEO that was moving on and his last action was to employ replacement. Um, and it... A board main function is governance, right? And it, they're not governing correctly if they're not looking after the welfare of the leaders. And they're putting operational risk if they don't put the right people in there. So my, my advice to a, a leader of leaders or a chairman or somebody who's in a governance role is um, sometimes it's intimidating for your senior leaders to stick their hand up and go, I need this support. <laughs> Or I would benefit from having this peer-to-peer -peer support or this knowledge wave that's coming my way, um, and I'm going to be making better decisions on, on the business. And as a shareholder, as a, a governor, surely that's of your interest. Um, that tends to be the, the roadblock at the moment, the way I see it. But where I've actually jumped that, had the initial chat with a chairman, said to the chairman, you know, I don't know how much it's cost you to 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 place a CEO or a, any leadership position at that point. It's it's not cheap. Um, can you afford to do that every eighteen months? Yeah. <laughs> no. So make sure that individual then thrives under your governance, um, and you know they should be sticking with you. I'd say a sweet spot is the five to seven year term. And if they're still around after that, it's probably time to replace them because, you, you know, that was the old adage with CIOs. How long have you been a CIO? Oh, eight years. Well, you're a year out of date. <laughs> Let somebody else come in and, and transform the business. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I do see it from that perspective that it's really, really hard to be honest, to say, oh, I could use some support outside the organisation. Um yeah, and and that complements the support that you're getting from inside the organisation, but it, it's a it's a difference. Um, I'll use this analogy, right? Um, I've got an ultimate goal of get retiring up north. Um, if I and I I, I try to vocalise it with people and try to explain it. If I went home to the wife or up the stairs to the wife and said, "Oh, we're moving to Kerry, Kerry," and I haven't prepared myself for the counter arguments that are going to follow that, like, oh, it's, the kids are in school, da-da-da-da, 
you know, once we sell up in Auckland, we can't come back, all those sort of arguments. If I haven't prepared myself, then the subject's dead in the water. Um, I think as leaders we need that for the businesses, right? It's not always appropriate to come into the leadership team or to introduce a, a, a change of policy, a change of direction or flow unless we've cathartically verbalised that with somebody beforehand, rehearsed it. Right, yeah. yeah um, and if we do that and we feel confident in that, maybe we're going to come up with some nuggets. Uh, and we're in the same game, right? We are just here to provide nuggets of information for other people. And if they get those, if it's something they haven't thought of or a different way of doing it, that they've tried and failed and they'll try a different way, then that's we've done our jobs. And believe it or not, probably, Campbell, you and I are in the same business now. We're just providing uh, useful tools for other people to make success. Yeah, that's absolutely right. So I've got the leadership edge. You've got the human edge. <laughs> Nick, that's been that's been. Wonderful. Thank you so much for all of your nuggets of wisdom. Is there anything I haven't asked you that I perhaps should have that you, oh. before we wrap up? Well, how to join the CEO Institute is probably one of them. But um, I suppose it's, you know, where it's a difficult question to answer. Um, I think it's it's... Mainly, no, I'm struggling with this one, Camel. Okay, that's okay. Because I did have something to say. So I ask you the question again. If you come, if we can easily cut this piece out, and yeah, we can, yeah. um, so we can either okay, so well then too. <laughs> What's that? I was going so well then. You, no, that's possibly you couldn't shut me up. But um, <laughs> well, okay, well, like what I'll do is I'll, I'll just powerful. Um, no, look, you, you, we've just finished up with two or three really powerful nuggets, so I don't, I, I, I don't even think I need to ask the question. I won't even ask the question. I'll just wrap it up by just thanking you, and we can just, we can just leave it here, unless there's something. Oh, I had written down. It's, it's about enjoying the journey. Uh, yeah, well, no, you've already talked about that, which I think you know. Well, which haven't one? I asked you? I should have. Um, Okay. Uh, no, ask me it again. That's okay. Um, Nick, that's been it's uh, been absolutely wonderful. Just before we wrap up, is there anything else that I haven't asked you that I should have? I suppose this is coming from my own personal philosophy is always try to get to a win-win situation. Um, and it doesn't matter if you're a leader, bringing in a new leader, you're taking on a role for the first time. Um, it's just, don't be afraid to show possibly a little bit of weakness, um, you know, uh, but also look for a win-win. And sometimes as a leader that's providing the ability for somebody that reports to you or is in your team to find their own focus and their own journey through this, you know. Um, you can't just duplicate your own success. Um, where success be, again, back to that word, through our experiences and, and allow other people to take on their experiential learning. Nick, that's been fantastic. Thanks for wrapping Thank up with that. It's been great. Really enjoyed having you on the show and I look forward to having another chat at some point. Um, and it will be without a mask and in a, in a bar somewhere. Now we're at Orange. <laughs> we'll look forward to that. Thanks, Nick. Thank you. Thanks for listening. 
If you have a friend or a colleague who would benefit from this episode, please pass the word along. If you have a friend or a colleague who would not benefit, but you haven't been in touch with them for a while, give them a call. iTunes reviews are great to get the word out and to help me create the show that's most useful for you. And if you're frustrated or having challenges or would like some help, guidance, assistance with your first leadership role, then check out integrationcatalyst.com in the link in the podcast notes below. Or pass this on to your boss to nudge them to get you the help you really need to cross the doing to managing chasm and get you powered up on your leadership and management journey. Oh, and if you want to make sure you don't miss an episode, hit subscribe. Until next time.